There's always that one percentile where we don't know what happened, and that's the struggle right there. A little girl vanishes into thin air. All right, Greg, so what does it mean to be out here at Erica's grave 24 years after her disappearance? Well, it's, 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 a, hard, it's a hard pill to swallow. I mean, we know that, you know, this is a symbolic symbol for her and her final resting place if we could ever bring her home. The investigation still haunts the community. I think today, if, if we don't find anything, I can pretty much rest assured that um, we, we can eliminate this area for sure. I'm Becky Golden, News Director at Dayton 24-7 Now. You're going to probably go down only about, yeah. maybe about six, eight inches, and it's going to be tough digging. I'm Nathan Edwards, Morning News Anchor, and this is Missing Erica Baker a podcast from Dayton 24-7 Now. They let us ride the roller coaster for the family. It's been 24 years. They don't need this. We just need to bring them good news. In the next chapter of this story, we wrap up another search for Erica Baker's body and talk about the efforts to keep her case alive. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. So we're here in the Dean 24-7L podcast recording studio. I'm with Becky, our news director. Hi, Becky. Hi, Nathan. Now, a lot has happened since we last spoke and wanted to take a few minutes to update you on the case. We've been searching a new location and talking to one of the key witnesses from the day Erica disappeared. So let's dive in and start with the search. Becky, let's do a quick recap here. How did we find this location and why were investigators so interested in it? Yeah, so if you'll remember back to past episodes, Christian Gabriel is the prime suspect in this case. He's the one who admitted to police that he hit and killed Erica with his van back in 1999. Now, over the years, he's told police certain locations to search, but they've still never been able to find her body. Because of this podcast, we started researching all sorts of various documents from the case. One of those was his confession letter. When I reread it, I realized that the directions didn't match some of the parks that they had been searching. And so when we mapped out the directions, um, we found a new park that maybe detectives might be interested in. We took that location to detectives and sure enough, they said, we've never searched this location. You know, let's do it. Let's just try. And the location was the south portion of Sugar Creek Metro Park. And so we went out with Texas EquiSearch and Kettering mm -hmm. Police Detectives on three different occasions to that park to check it out. Now, the first time we went out there was October 29th. Now, you may remember that from the last episode. And when we went out there, we found something, but it wasn't quite what we were hoping for. Right. It was very dramatic. We, about 30 minutes into the search, Texas EquiSearch and their volunteers, they found a grave. It was um, a shallow grave. Once they started digging it up, it was um, they found a bunch of bones wrapped in an old sheet from the 90s. However, after calling out the coroner's office and uh, Ohio BCI, 
they quickly discovered that it was a buried dog. Yeah. And at that moment, I remember it felt like the just air went out of everything. Yes, it was. um, It was a bummer. It was. Yeah. We thought that we had really stumbled upon something in the case. And honestly, so did the experts for a while. You know, and it honestly, it took the coroner's office and it took BCI several minutes to determine that this was not human because it kind of looked that way for a short amount of time. It was back to the drawing board at that point, but we were not willing to give up on this location. November 26th, uh, Texas EquiSearch actually brought in a group from Kentucky with cadaver dogs. Now, these dogs specialize in sniffing out human remains and not animal bones or anything like that. So we had some hope that maybe they would be able to see something or smell something that we didn't find before. Yeah, and actually all three dogs, and they were taken out at separate times. They would take one dog out, and then they would take the dog back and bring out another dog. And all three times, three different dogs hit on one location. So um, after that, we were pretty you know, excited that maybe there was still something to this park. And that was a tree along the gravel path coming from the main drive and entrance of that part of the park. So we thought, you know, conceivably, this could be a spot where Christian could carry Erica and bury her. Yeah, it was far enough into the woods that you couldn't see it from the street, Um, even in the winter where, you know, the trees, the leaves aren't on the trees and it's more bare. It was far enough back that you couldn't see from the street, but close enough that you're not you know, carrying someone for miles. Now, that takes us to February 21st, and that would be our second dig. And we would go out there with Texas EquiSearch, and they dug again. But unfortunately, all they dug up was roots. (laughs) Yeah, they they began digging the the exact spot that the dogs head on. Um, Now, keep in mind, these dogs are specialty dogs. They not just find human remains. They know the difference between human and animal. But they can also detect human remains from many, many years ago, even dating back to the 1800s. So these dogs are very specially trained. And the thing, too, about that location is they were able to clear it pretty quick. And they dug down as deep as they could. They prodded the area. Mm -hmm. And again, they found nothing. And they were able to clear that site is what uh, Texas EquiSearch said. Yes, yes. They're comfortable clearing that site. And, you know, they didn't really have an answer as to why all three dogs hit on that one location. But there wasn't actually anything there. Their best guess is that maybe there had been a body there at some point over the past years. Um, This location, police told us, is kind of known for suicides and um, some other body dumps in the past. So you never know. I mean, and that's basically the moral of the story there. Now, we did talk with retired detective Bob Green. He was out there with us and uh, Texas EquiSearch Midwest director Dave Rader. And here's what they had to say about the search. You you know, I've I've always told every single uh, individual with uh, law enforcement that's been involved in this case, I'm here until the jury, you know, it, the job is done and she's found. It may not be in my lifetime. It could be in, in another lifetime, but I think at some point in time, she will be found. You know, obviously, you've done a ton of these over the years. You know, when you hit another dead end on a location, how do you press forward after 24 years? I mean, we just saw, uh, just went through a, another anniversary in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, I change it to I, I, like a task list and it's something I can check off. And that's the kind of self-reward that we, we can give the police department and the family. We're still checking, we're still moving. Um, you've got to be optimistic over the whole thing after 24 years. All right, so we just heard from Detective Bob Green and Dave Rader from Texas EquiSearch. And, I mean, obviously, this is a letdown, as we mentioned before. Uh, How are you feeling now after searching that location and both of them basically saying we can cross this off the list? You know, it was really disappointing. It was my tip. And so I felt a little bit of some responsibility for it. And, you know, you know, oh, man, did I waste everyone's time by them coming out and searching this location? But Bob Green and Dave Rader, they're so great about this. And they just pretty much said, listen, this is now one location that we can check off the map and we can now go search more locations. But we've now narrowed it down even further by just crossing this place off the list. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is a bummer when you think about it. Yes. But at the same time, it was interesting to see how they work mm-hmm. and to see how they get out there and see the uh, the zest they still have for this case. I mean, it's amazing that they are still searching like they did 24 years ago. I mean, I don't know how Bob Green does it. He's had this case for 24 years. I mean, he's now retired, but he's still just as active, you know, as he used to be on it. And um, I don't know how he deals with the roller coaster of emotions. He's just incredible. And Dave Rader, you know, he's not been on the case as long, but he's been, you know, doing these types of searches and their methods are just incredible. Yeah. And we talk about retired Detective Bob Green. He's still a great resource for the Kettering yes. Police Department. Now, throughout the podcast, we talked to Bob Green and we also talked to uh, Detective Vincent Mason who was the second detective assigned to that case. But there's really been a new development over the last couple of months. There's actually a brand new detective that's been assigned to Erica's case, Detective Matt Wolf. And he's saying he's still willing to go full force ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is the the reason they this is something that Kettering police do. They they cycle in and out detectives. Um, and now Matt has it. And actually, you got a chance to speak to him recently. Yeah. I mean, it turns out he actually has more of a background in organized crime, but he has been a detective for many years. A big part of this, he, he openly admitted it. He says, I'm going to lean on Detective Bob Green a lot because there's nobody that knows the case better. But as this case does get older, he understands that so do the detectives that are handling it. So he wants to be able to preserve this case for future generations of police work. So a big uh, goal of his is to actually digitize the evidence and digitize all the documents related to the case, which is pretty amazing, but it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. And actually, didn't um, you tell me that his dad was actually on the force when Erica went missing? Yeah, he was actually an assistant chief at the time that um, Erica went missing. So he grew up knowing about this case. um, And, you know, throughout the years, obviously, He's kept a close eye on it as well. What's interesting is he said after the podcast is aired, he says tips just keep coming in. That includes information about Christian Gabriel, who they're constantly keeping an eye on. Here's what he actually had to say about Christian. But we definitely keep track of him. We know where he is. Um, and, and we have some techniques that, uh, um, that we do to make sure that he, he doesn't forget. It's, it's either going to be he comes clean and tells us where the body is or... Someone, I believe, just totally accidentally um, finds her. 
Yeah, Nathan, a lot of people believe that Christian is the only one who can lead police to Erica's body. Um, and so we just really want to talk to him. We've been trying. We uh, got a hold of some court documents. We've been tracking him down. And he most recently lived in Oregon as of last year. Yeah, and that lines up with what police actually had been telling us. But what's tough is he has bounced around to a couple living locations that court documents said he was evicted, right? Yeah. In fact, that's the only trace we could find of him in Oregon was eviction, uh, was court records dating back to an eviction in April of 2022. But what we did see on that eviction notice was that he was living with a woman at the time. So what we did was we found that woman on Facebook. Yes. We reached out to her. We also sent her an email. And surprisingly, she got back to us. Yeah. I mean, you spoke or you talked with her over Facebook. What'd she tell you? Well, I sent her a message uh, sending her the podcast and asking her if she knew anything about Christian's past. And she had responded to me that she knows him but didn't want to talk. She was very respectful, and I appreciate that. But again, another dead end. Uh, and she really didn't want to go into many details. And it might be a dead end, but it might not be because you just sent her the podcast link. So there's a chance she'll listen to it and change her mind. Maybe she knows something, maybe she doesn't, but it could be enough just to plant that seed of doubt in her mind. I mean, it's it's still tough, you know, when you think about it. You You reach out to these folks, you're hoping that you might have and in some access. And what's been kind of wild is how Christian has been able to evade this story mm-hmm. for 24 years, other than, you know, he set, he served his time in prison. Um, but other than that, I mean, he's been off the radar. Police know where he is, but no one's really talked to him. Yeah. And I mean, he's kind of like a ghost. He There's no trace of him on social media. Uh, we can't find addresses for him. We've done searches. Aside from this eviction, it's like he's been a ghost since he's been out of prison almost. Yeah. Christian, if you're listening, give us a call. Now let's talk about Sabrina. Now, you might recognize the name Sabrina from previous episodes, and that's because she was there the night Erica went missing. She was actually living with Christian Gabriel, Jan Franks, and Clifford Butts as well. Now, we were able to get a hold of Sabrina and talk with her over the phone. Now, she asked us not to use the recordings that we took, but she said it was okay for us to talk about our conversation. So, Becky, let's talk a little bit about what stood out from our conversation with Sabrina. I do want to point out before we get started that police have cleared her in this case, and she was actually a witness for the prosecution against Christian Gabriel. Absolutely. So, Sabrina was actually married to Clifford Butts. Um, at the time that this happened. Now, you'll remember Clifford Butts is the one who turned Christian Gabriel into police. He's the one who told detectives, hey, I think I know what happened to Erica Baker, and it's this guy named Christian Gabriel. The four of them, Jan Franks, Sabrina, uh, Christian, and Clifford Butts, were all together the day Erica disappeared. They met up, police say that they met up at the Myers, they were shoplifting together, and then the couples went their separate ways. Once they went their separate ways, that's when police believe that Christian Gabriel, who was also with Jan Franks, hit Erica Baker in his van. Now, later that night, police say that they all met back up at the Duck Hotel, which is where they were staying and living together at the time. Now, what is interesting here is Sabrina has been very open about her drug use at the time. And yes. Remembering most of it, but also understanding she might have been in some... Um, 
compromising relationships at that time. Yeah, you know, she was married to Clifford Butts at the time. She told us he pretty much destroyed her life. They have at least one son together. Um, She says she has not talked to Clifford in years. He's been in and out of prison. Um, She now has gotten her life together. She says she's free of drugs, alcohol. She's sober. She's turned her life around. Um, She says her son sometimes does still talk to his father, but she has had no dealings with him in years. Yeah, what's interesting, too, about this is talking to her about the years since Mm -hmm. she testified against Christian Gabriel. It seems like she has tried to distance herself from this case at all costs. Yes. Yes, she has. Um, She told us she did listen to the podcast. Um, I'm not sure she appreciated her name being brought up in it, but she was a witness in the case. Like you said, she did. um, She was a witness for the prosecution. And what she mainly talked about, because once again, police do not believe that she was there when Erica was hit. And they also do not believe she had anything to do with the disposal of Erica's body or any of the cover up. They don't think she knew anything about it until later. However, um, she did testify to a few things. For instance, that Jan never drove the van. If you'll remember from previous episodes, Christian Gabriel at times said Jan was driving when Erica was hit. Well, um, Sabrina was able to testify that Jan couldn't drive the van because it was one of those old vans that was stick shift and very difficult to drive. And the only person who ever drove the van was Christian Gabriel. Yeah, she was one of those key witnesses for the prosecution. And that made a big difference in the case, especially when they had very little evidence of where Erica was at that time. And we asked her, we asked her if Clifford, you know, her husband at the time had ever told her anything about the case. Um, And she said no. She said she didn't learn about it until months later. Um, She said she had no idea where where Christian and Jan may have buried Erica. She really has. She really told us that she has no idea. She says that she didn't know them very well. She was living with them. They were doing drugs together, but it wasn't like this, you know, relationship where they would tell them, you know, would tell her deep dark secrets like that. Yeah, she was more familiar with Jan through her sister than who was her friend. Um, And she said she actually hasn't spoken to Christian Gabriel or been around him since uh, he was convicted and sent to prison. And she actually sounded a little scared of him. Um, You know, she got emotional at times thinking about Erica, what Erica's family has been going through. She's a grandmother now, Sabrina is. And so I think she, you know, the case still upsets her. And I think she thinks, well, if Christian was capable of something like that, What would he have been capable of doing to anyone else like me? You mentioned her being a grandmother. And this is an important part of it as well, because one thing that she talked about was the family. You know, she talks about, you know, whenever she sees stories about the Baker family, just feeling just such deep sadness for them. And over the years that she's had her own child grow up and have her grandkids now, she can't even imagine what they go through. And, And that's a feeling that a lot of people felt over the years. But uh, maybe her feelings had been clouded because of the drug use over time. Yeah, um, I think that's a really good point. And also, I want to point out that we talked to Bob Green right after we spoke with Sabrina, and he wanted to, you know, let her know how proud he was of her for getting clean and for turning her life around. Um, Bob Green's been open. He was an alcoholic in years past, so he understands the struggle, and he just really knows, you know, he was just really very proud of her. And she was very gracious, great to talk with. And uh, hopefully, you know, one day she'll be comfortable enough to talk publicly about her side of the story. But we do appreciate her taking time for us. Yes, absolutely. 
know, Becky, sadly, even after all these conversations with the key players in the case, Christian continues to remain silent and very difficult to get a hold of. Now, the family is left with no answers about where Erica is. Yeah, that's the most heartbreaking part of all of this is there's still a family who doesn't conclusively know what happened to their daughter. Um, and this February actually marked 24 years since she disappeared. And you actually spoke with her father, Greg Baker, again. Yeah, we had a chance to actually go out to the grave that the family placed for Erica. And what's very interesting about this grave is that it says missing on the grave, missing dot, dot, dot. And we talked to Greg about what it was like to come out there 24 years after. Take a listen. Yeah, it's really, it's really hard. I mean, we did this to basically have a place for her if, if we get to bring her home. And also it's a tribute to her and, and the community that can come out and they can leave things for her and, and grieve along with the family. You know, it, it, it's hard being out here and, and coming to see this every year. I mean, people come out here and they still leave trinkets and this has been an ongoing thing for 24 years. Now, I noticed that there's butterflies. That seems to be the theme here. Yeah, Why butterflies? Was, well, that was her favorite favorite thing. Her butterflies were her. That was that was her. So that was something that she loved. That's why we went with the butterfly theme. The important thing is, is that Greg never gives up hope. And he says it's difficult to talk about Erica on the anniversary of her disappearance and on her birthday as well. But he continues to do so. And I think part of that is because he wants Erica's story to stay alive. Right. It's very uh, hard for him and it's uncomfortable for him, but he knows he has to do it because he has to keep Erica's name out in the media whether that means someone, maybe someone else knows some information. Maybe Christian has told someone something who might finally come forward. Maybe Christian will feel guilty enough that maybe he'll finally say something more concrete about where she is. So, I mean, we've heard the family outcry for years, though, mm -hmm. and Christian still hasn't felt enough guilt to give them an answer. I mean, Erica's grandma even picked him up from prison. If that doesn't make you feel enough guilt, then I don't know what would. But we do know as people age, sometimes they want to get things off their chest. Yes. So looking back at what we've just talked about, there are some things in the works moving forward. You have the detective who is working to preserve the case for future generations. You have uh, Texas EquiSearch not giving up hope on searching. In fact, they're saying, you know, if you have new tips on the case, mm -hmm. contact Kettering Police Department and they will always investigate new tips. Yes. But as we move forward, we're at a similar crossroads that we have been for 24 years. Yes, we still haven't found her. There are still no concrete answers for this family. And, you know, we've said it countless times already. We don't know how Bob Green still does this. I mean, the emotional roller coaster that you and I have felt over the past eight months is nothing compared to what Bob Green and this family has felt for 24 years. And that's the thing, too. It's like, I asked Greg Baker if he feels numb mm -hmm. after all these years. And he's like, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to. Right. Um, and 
I am skeptical myself at this point, you know, after being out on the searches and coming up with a similar uh, result as many searches have before, I'm starting to understand where they come from. You know, they want to maintain the idea that Erica could be found, but at the same time, you're somewhat realistic about the expectations of that. I still think she'll be found. I don't know that it's going to be anytime soon, but I still think like most mysteries in life, they eventually get solved. True. And that's a good point to end on, Becky. As always, we are keeping our fingers crossed like you are at home. And we are going to continue to follow this case extremely closely. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this special bonus episode. We know you're as invested in this case as we are. Yeah, and we also want to thank Erica Baker's family, Kettering Detectives, Equisearch Midwest, and others who have added their voice and expertise to sharing Erica's story. We care so much about this community, and this is not the end of our reporting on this case. Editing247L.com. We've created a special section dedicated to this. And if there's any major updates to this investigation, we might be back in your podcast feeds. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts, and you'll be notified when a fresh episode drops. While you're there, please leave us a review. Let us know what you think of this season, and please share this series with a friend or family member you think may be interested. Missing Erica Baker has been a presentation of Dean 24-7 Now, an affiliate of Sinclair Broadcast Group. Becky Golden is our station news director. Michael Oyang is our coordinating producer. Holden Robinson is a producer. And Eric Newell is our audio engineer. Production coordination by Anna Nicole Ways and legal support from Chase Bales. Rich Cook is the head of audio at Sinclair. Until next time, I'm Nathan Edwards. And I'm Becky Golden. This has been Missing Erica Baker. <laughs>